Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Howdy! Good morning, and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Judy Como. Very happy to be here today. Uh, For our listeners, we uh, are pre-recording. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we pre-recorded this earlier in the week. It's always like trying to, am I going to act like I'm there, or am I going to act like it's, anyways, I ain't acting. Uh, But I want to welcome all of our listeners here in Bryan College, the Brazos Valley, listening on KEDC 88.5. FM over in Central Texas, KYAR 98.3, and in the wonderful Holy Land of Texas, Palestine, Texas, KINF 107.9 FM. So welcome to our listeners. I am uh, very excited to be here today. Caleb, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Judy. How are you? Well, if I got any better, I'd need to be twins. How about that? (laughs) Whether it's even true or not, I'm just going to say so. A beautiful day here uh, at St. Mary's Catholic Center, overlooking the beautiful new, soon-to-be consecrated, I guess, when you get a new church. Is it called? That might be a question for our guests. Perhaps so. If only we we had a liturgist. If only. If only. Well, let me just go in and throw out my introductions for our guests today. Really happy to uh, be talking to... Becca Spalacy. She is the director of the Office of Worship for the Diocese of Austin. Welcome, Becca, again. You're my second time being on uh, Roundup. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back. And great. the answer to the question is it's dedicated. Dedicate. Dedicate. Yep. Okay. File that week. away in my... I have a lot of useless knowledge, but I think I can maybe put that to use. And uh, joining Becca today is Russell Hoyt who is the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for the (laughs) Diocese of Austin. Good morning, Russell. Good morning, Judy. Thanks for having me. Oh, great. I'm uh, very excited. Um, I read about the upcoming workshop that uh, y'all are going to be working on coming up in, in August about Foundations of RCIA. So, um if either of you would like to list any more of your accolades as to why you're doing what you're doing, I'm going to let you do that. But I uh, want to talk just briefly about what is RCIA, how long, um, when did the Catholic Church move from less preparation to join the church into a more organized rhythm of uh, classes and things like that? Uh, to talk about the right of Christian initiation, I was talking with Becca briefly. I think a lot of times we assume the congregation and our listeners know what we're talking about before we, and just go off talking about what we're passionate about and maybe don't do a good teaching about it. So uh, what do you think about that, Russell? Uh, that sounds like a good plan. Um <laughs> 
I, I love think, it when a plan comes together. That's right. Oh, geez. I, I'm going to, I'm going to let Becca take the reins a little bit because she has uh, a fair, a fairly awesome understanding of the historical uh, tracing the history of the RCIA. And I also happen to know that, as she says, the RCIA is her hobby horse. She has a number of hobby horses. This is one of them in the stalls. And uh, so I want to let her talk a little bit about um, the, the historical foundings or the reinstitution of the RCIA. Awesome. So, yeah, I, we can prattle about this for a good long while. But uh, I think Russell used the right words, the reinstitution of this. It's, you know, way back in the early, early church kind of beginnings of things, uh, there was a period of what we now call the catechumenate. And it would last years and years, sometimes someone's, you know, entire adult life because they very much understood baptism as the remission of sins. And so you put that off as long as you could. Um, so you would stay in its period of the catechumenate. It kind of stapled out around three years for a lot of places. Um, if anyone does any work on early church anything, um, making any kind of qualification of what happened in the early church is impossible. But that was kind of a standard. And so when so, you say early church, we're talking three hundred thousand, four thousand. Okay. Uh, yeah, in this case, mostly before 800. Probably. Got it. And it, one of the things that's, that's going on kind of in that period of the church is we're debating and discussing sacramentality and sacraments and how all of this works. Um, and as Christianity becomes legalized, uh, we start to baptize babies more and more. This becomes more common because people aren't as worried about this and we develop the sacrament of penance and all these things are going on. And so there gradually falls out of this need to really baptize adults and bring them into the church because the going assumption in the Western world is that everybody's going to be Catholic um, or the very least everybody's going to be Christian. So it falls out of favor kind of a very well-established process of formation and initiation because it was babies. Obviously that, you know, especially the time you get to the Reformation, but even before then, um, we figure out that's not quite the case. So there'd always been some kind of process for bringing people into the church. It just wasn't maybe as standardized as we're seeing it now. Fast forward a really long time, we get to the Second Vatican Council. And the Council Fathers recognize that the world is not Christian anymore, um, if it ever really was. Um, but you can't make that assumption at all anymore. Mm. So they said, you know, we're going to go back and look at what our early church fathers said, which is a theme of the Council anyways. And they said this, this catechumenate. It's a good thing. Let's bring it back. Let's restore the catechumen. It's kind of a call behind all of this. So coming out of the 1960s and 70s, we said, we're going to do this. That means we have to come up with liturgy, come up with plans. Uh, so by the 1980s, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops said, here's the, the liturgy book for this. Um, I spent 10 years in Canada, and they're very quick to say the Canadian bishops approved it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did get there. Uh, so that's that's exciting. And so what, what came out of that, of course, is first this desire for apprenticeship in, in the faith and learning the faith in a kind of structured way. With that then said, what else do you graft onto that? So we have liturgies around bringing you into the catechumenate, but we also have to have a liturgy about initiating you and what that would look like. And, you know, blessings and exorcisms and things like that are helpful. So we need to start adding those. We need to add something that gets you into the catechumenate in the first place. So this all starts to kind of graft around it. Uh, so we've had, you know, kind of what we're looking at since, you know, the mid-80s, early 90s. And as I think most people know now, 
um, especially if you're involved in RCI ministry, we're talking about a revision again. Um, so if you're kind of around the RCA world, you might be hearing about the order of Christian initiation of adults. Um, basically what happened is the church, when it started revising all of its ritual texts, said, we want to get away from language that says right, and we want to use order. And it's to preserve Latin and a whole bunch of other kinds oh, of things. Interesting. Um, so you'll see that you'll see it referred to the OCIA, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. But very technically, that book hasn't been promulgated yet. It hasn't been given official stamp of approval from the church. Uh, we're all still waiting to see what it's going to look like. Uh, but that's coming too. So that's well, that's very exciting. I have seen some references of the OCIA, and I was like, so now it's good to have a reason for the change. Uh, well, awesome. Judy, Judy, I think I and tell me if I heard something wrong, but it, I think I heard what Becca said was that something good did come out of the sixties and seventies. <laughs> Lots of good. Lots of good. Lots of good things. Absolutely. So, um, some of the uh, things that Becca was talking about is going to fall on familiar ears if our listeners have even uh, gone to a couple of RCIA sessions at their parish um, and other people have been for us, for my husband and I, we um, probably participated for seven years or so and, you know, just fell into the rhythm of it, became uh, speakers and table leaders and things like that. For me, excuse me, one of the, most important part of the RCIA program is the accompaniment of the people who are there on the week to week to meet these people, uh, get to know them, help break down some small group questions, things like that. So um, for someone who's never been to one, let's talk about what a RCIA program could look like at St. Anthony's. I know it's on Thursday nights, starting in September. <laughs> Very good. But one thing I'd like to I'd like to say about the RCA that I think people take for granted is just the idea that, you know, how 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 does the church desire to to make Catholics? How how what is the model? And uh, almost universally throughout all of the catechetical documents in the modern era, you see uh, phrases like that the catechumenal model is the model for all catechesis, right? Um, and I, I would say, um, you could also then say that the catechumenal model is is the model for evangelization. And the church has never needed evangelization more than right now. Therefore, the church has never needed the RCIA and reinstituted the OCIA. The church has never needed more than right now. There's a something beautiful about God's timing, and you know He's always playing the He's always playing the long game here, right? So here we are, decades later, um, post the reinstitution, and I think now bearing uh, parishes are set up for um, parishes that need adult evangelization. The RCIA is an excellent place for. Um, for us to start. So, you know, what does what does a standard parish program look like? Um, maybe it's St. Anthony's. Wow. <laughs> you know, we could name a couple of different places, but 
One one thing that's important to note is that um, not everybody operates on the same timeline, right? So um, very standardly, RCIA programs will follow the school year model, basically September to May. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily the ideal. Um, and if you think about it, it's not the ideal. And the reason is because, not that it's bad, but if we were first to start from, well, what's maybe what does the church intend? Um, like a good parent, the church wants uh, the wants someone who's new to have an experience of the entire life of the church, right? What would it look like if you go through um, an entire life cycle? And isn't that a good idea? Because don't people need to know what they're getting into? <laughs> what if, you know, what if I can't give up meat on Fridays? I, you, need, you need to find out. <laughs> right. So, so some programs will start... Um, you know, some programs will start in the summer and go all the way through May. Other programs will start um, at the beginning of Advent and go all the way through what, what would be more like 16 months, right? So you start in Advent and then go all the way to that next Easter and then into oh. May for mm-hmm. uh, Mystagogy. So um, so there is uh, there are different calendar years for people to look at. You know, a lot of your parishes, a lot of the parishes in the Diocese of Austin follow the September to May. And again, that's not a bad thing. You'll see. Um, so they'll start ramping up. They're always the the classic, um, the classic mass mass announcements that say something like, "Hey, if you're not Catholic, but you've been coming here for a while, maybe you should think about." It. Uh, so um, people ramp up into August and and move into September. I see. Well, I would think that. Um people who seek out RCIA through necessity, we're going to have those people call up the church. I need for whatever the fill in the blank is. uh, We're getting married. Um, I didn't get confirmed with when I was in high school, whatever those uh, reasons are. But uh, like you say, and we do need to talk about it from the pulpit and we do need to put it in the bulletin as well. But lots of, uh, I, w- I would hope that some listeners would say, uh, you know, I know such and such has oh. been asking questions or whatever, maybe. So another level of that, you know, Matthew Kelly tells you you need to be invited to something seven times before you'll even consider obligating to it. So um, that's, that's really a, a one mindset of why I wanted us to talk about it today for that purpose yeah. alone. Well, maybe something that's helpful. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. I was saying maybe something that's helpful, Judy, would be, and Becca, maybe you could talk about it because you've had a lot of varied experience. Um, The RCIA is intended for a variety of people, different situations, right? And it's important to understand as as a church, um, as evangelists, and we're all evangelists, if you're baptized, you're an evangelist, as evangelists, we need to know where I have this person in my life that I feel like God is leading and I want to help them. Where do they belong? Do they belong in the RCA proper? Where? So I think a good uh, thing for us to treat is who who is this intended for? What do you think, Becca? Yeah, I, I, that's right. That's the $26,000 RCIA question. And so one of the things, you know, I, I tell people all the time is read introductory rubrics and ritual books that give you the answers you need in life. And <laughs> The very first paragraph in the very first rubric in the RCI ritual answers a question, right? It says that everything in the book is intended for pe- adults 
right? Which is, and the wonderful way the Catholic Church works with seven-year-olds, um, <laughs> right? Who, after hearing the mystery of Christ proclaimed consciously and freely, because right, that's important with sacraments, uh, seek God and enter the way of faith and conversion as the Holy Spirit opens their hearts. Uh, and that ultimately with their preparation at the proper time, we'll receive the sacraments fruitfully. So, I mean, that's the answer, right? So at the end of the day, no matter how else we bucket people, it's about helping them receive the sacraments, whatever those are, in the most fruitful way possible. So when we talk about RCA, I mean, very properly, we're talking about the means by which adults are brought into the church through baptism. Right? That's, that's what we think of. That's what the primary part of the ritual is about. Uh, but we all have those people. Uh, my entire RCIA, and I'm saying that quotations group last year, were adults that needed confirmation. Wow. Um, yeah, I, and we had, I think, 10 of them. There wasn't a single person who needed to be baptized. Um, so we know that reality, right, for a whole bunch of things. Um, and the ritual does absolutely have how to, to do that. Um, what it's very clear on, though, and what's really important, is that once you're baptized validly, and that means Catholic or otherwise, there's a dignity ascribed to you that we need to be very careful to protect and to articulate and to preserve. Um, so that's why, you know, I think sometimes it sounds a little harsh when we say they need to be two groups of people. But they need to be two groups of people, the baptized and the unbaptized, because baptism means something. And we come at you and catechize you differently because of that. Uh, but there's that reality is still there. So we kind of have, you know, we can categorize people as baptized, unbaptized, um, and then catechized and uncatechized. I often say adults are more catechized than we think they are. If you go to mass, you've become catechized. Whether you know it or not, you are. Um, so I think often we see adults who maybe aren't baptized or haven't finished the sacraments, but have been coming to mass with their spouse or their children for years. They know a lot more than maybe they can articulate. So part of our role is to help suss that out. Um, so there's there's that group of people too, right? There's truly uncatechized people. And those might be the ones that kind of knock on the door and say, you know, I saw the Holy Father doing something. I'm interested. I know nothing except maybe you have the Pope and some guys that wear interesting clothes. Help. But they're probably truly not catechized. But then you might have someone that said, you know, I was born of a different faith. My wife is Catholic. I've been going to Mass with her for 15 years. I want to be Catholic now. right? Mm -hmm. so, so we treat them differently. Um, so RCI kind of has has ways to do all of those. And then, of course, the group that's my favorite because it was me, uh, baptized Christians who weren't Catholic. So there's that as well. Really, properly speaking, we talk about RCA. We're talking about that first group, unbaptized, uncatechized adults. But obviously, the church knows, God knows. We have all those other groups of people as well. And so there's ways we ritually initiate them. And there's ways we catechize them kind of given those, those realities. Right. Uh, I agree. I, I am soon to be 66 years old and have been a practicing Catholic my whole life, yada, yada, yada. And even that, it's, you have, uh, okay, it's the Easter Vigil. Well, no, they can't come into the church at the Easter Vigil. They have to wait and do. So there's this every year I have to kind of like relearn what, what the differences are um, when people can come in and everything. But essentially... Um, a lot. Yeah. Start in yeah. September, go through this rhythm of the school year, for lack of a better term, and come into the church at the Easter Vigil. And, and that's what so much of it is. RCA is a lawn process. Even if you kind of do it the shortest way possible, RCA is long. It's at least nine months for most people. And the church doesn't like delaying sacraments. So if you're already baptized, 
the church really says, let's confirm you as quickly as we we can without making you a liar in the sacrament, without making you not formal, all of those things. Um, so there is very much, even in the RCA, this desire to say, if you're, if you're baptized already, when, when can, how, how much formation do you actually need and when can we get you fully initiated? Um, because there's always formation, there's always mystagogy, right? There's always post-sacramental formation. But that's one of the desires kind of within that is to make sure that people who are baptized kind of aren't in this process longer than they need to be. Absolutely. Well, and if I if I can add something, I would say commonly I've heard, um, I think we all have heard people talk about why are there so many obstacles to receiving sacraments? Um, why are there so many obstacles to people coming into the church? And I, sometimes that's a fair, I, I think that can be a fair criticism in the sense that um, sometimes uh, things aren't done properly. Other times someone doesn't maybe know or haven't hasn't gone through the right process but having said that first and foremost there's a whole crew of people that becca's mentioning that you know for those people who are baptized non-catholic but living out and living out the christian faith these are people that can enter the church fairly quickly and easily based on uh based on their lived situation right just like she had said but i think it it needs to go back to um, we need to stop and look at what we mean by saying a person is being initiated into the Christian life and stop and saying, look, this is not just a free trade, right? We've got a free agent floating out there and we're going to buy out their contract and bring them in. We're not, we're not swapping teams. It's what I, when I was running a, an RCA in a parish, I said, the RCA is, it's not like registration. It's, it's identity, right? You're becoming something new. And um, we have an obligation to you to walk you through this in a way so that not only that you understand what is being asked of you, but that you can experience and encounter what's being asked of you. And for you, every step of the way, the RCA has a very solid um, a rhythm, like, can, you know, almost a beat to it right. that allows a person to reach a threshold to say, okay, where am I at in this process? Um, we're trying to make saints out of this thing. And saints don't get made necessarily in, in a calendar year. And so it, I think people, we, we have to do a better marketing job in terms of people understanding what does conversion really look like? And and the journey that we're leading people on is not a journey of free agency and, and pulling in new players, right? We're, we're asking you, we're asking you to become a new creation. Wow. Well, and that's put. what Christ wants for you. Well put. And uh, above and beyond that, the people who are uh, volunteering to come, who are already fully initiated in the church. I, I, I mean, Pew reports come out and percentages of people who don't believe in the Eucharist were poor catechesis at whatever point in your life to accompany someone else and relearn what we should, yeah. I don't want to say should, but could already know is essential. Yeah. Absolutely. One of my favorite, can I tell a story? Could you? That'd be great. Yeah, I will. 
One of the reason you asked, um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about why you do what you do. Well, one of the reasons that I was, I believe so strongly in the RCA process was my, the very first year that I participated in the RCA, I was the director of the program here in the Diocese of Austin for a parish um, north of Austin. And um, I had a young woman who was to be married um, to a Catholic. So she was becoming Catholic because she had felt kind of the pull and it also felt, quote, kind of the thing to do, right? So there were a lot of good desires there, um, but she was also learning. She was journeying on the way, right? So there's a, there's a moment in uh, the Easter vigil ritual where those who are baptized, she wasn't even baptized. So those who are baptized, they have a lit candle and everyone who's sitting in the pews, their candles are not lit. And it's their job, those who have just had their, they've just received the light of Christ, it's their job to go and light the candles of the people in the pews. And I'm I'm looking at her face. She's beaming having been baptized. She has the light of Christ and she goes and lights the fire for somebody else. And in that moment, it just, it, it made so much sense for me of how, as why we who have been initiated must see this every year to be reminded that that is my job. That's my job. I'm supposed to be carrying the light of Christ that was given to me and that I now claim as an adult, I need to go light, I need to light somebody else's fire. Oh, that is an amazing, uh, and there is, you know, you can describe it as best as you can, but it's like trying to take a picture of the ocean. It never comes out quite right unless you go there to that Easter vigil and experience yeah. the darkness of the church. And slowly the the candles are lit and all of the ceremony. It really is quite beautiful and quite symbolic of our responsibility through our baptism to be a part of the coming together of the church and taking it out into the world that so desperately needs it. It would be the one literature. So I, I am, you know, parts on the table, a, a huge fan of whole year catechesis, uh, year long, at least a year long catechumenate. I mean, I, I'm a huge proponent of free for most people, which Russell is looking at me like you are crazy. <laughs> um, I, I will say I do RCI in a pair. So I understand what it is I'm saying when I say these things. No, no, it's great. <laughs> but um, I love it. I'm also, because, right, the liturgy background, I'm a huge proponent of take people to liturgy so they can see them. Um, but what I always tell people that are catechumens, do not go to the Easter Vigil. Don't. I don't want you. And the reason is because the first time I want them to see that and participate in that is in that moment. Um, yeah. Because there's something just amazing about kind of all of your conversion, all of your catechetical, all of these things just coming together in this moment for the first time, which is, I think, yeah, I think, Russell, Russell you're right. You know, anyone that, has done this and journeyed with anyone in this, it's at that moment is one of the most amazing things. Right, and it, that moment, like you say, it makes so much sense. And uh, being a part of uh, walking with someone for that nine months or so, and uh, one of the first Easter vigils that I had done that, I was in charge of scheduling. So I selfishly scheduled myself to be a Eucharistic minister so I could literally. <laughs> hold hands with Jesus and someone else at that split second that they're receiving the Eucharist for the first time and just uh, t t tears of joy and the uh, 
the realization of of what's going on and being a part of that, you just can't. Awesome. I can still see it. I can still see it, and, and I know who it was. <laughs> and that's what this is, you know. I and I'm sure Russell, you get these questions too. People ask, "When do we do the right of acceptance? When do we do? When do people go the right of election? When when do we okay these moments in people's lives?" And you know, I like rules, lists, order. Give me a system. Tell like check the boxes. Mm-hmm. I like it. It makes my life easier. Yeah. Um, that's not what our CIA is, though. That's not what the kind of catechetical or liturgical side of this is. The litmus test isn't how much do you know, um, although that's really easy. If I say you've taken all these classes, you know what you're good. Uh, the litmus test is who do you know, right? Do you know Jesus? <laughs> uh, and you know the, the first step to going to the right of acceptance is first story of conversion. Not can you articulate the Trinity, but can you say I want to know Jesus more? The the step to the right of election is not can you articulate every point of Catholic doctrine and dogma. It's do you think you're ready to get up and say, I'm willing to give my life to this person? If the answer is yes, I, I, I can catechize you for the rest of your life. That's not a problem. Yep. Right? But if you don't know who Jesus is, you're going to lie when you get up there and get baptized. And we don't want you to do that. Right. It's, it's a, it is a conundrum, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Because if uh, uh, it is daunting to say, I want to join the church and be told that it's a year or however long that it is. But we still have to have some formation, some rhythm of ways to process through that. And, you know, in a perfect world, that does take place. Well, and it shouldn't it be daunting? Yes. A little in the sense that, I mean, think about, Think about conversion as we've read about it in the New Testament, for instance. Think about people who are having to radically, in our modern standards, reorient themselves to Christ. It's a big ask. And we don't do anyone any favors realistically in... um, in lessening that ask. And what I, I don't mean, we should make it as easy as, we should make it as easy as possible for a person to enter the RCIA. We should make, we should make the RCIA available to anybody who desires it, right? And, and we should be able to meet people where they are. Um, but Jesus is the way. And, and we have to, we have to be willing as as Catholics ourselves to enter into that way. We have to be reoriented. We have to undergo that same conversion. But the whole idea of my, my point really is there is this healthy tension as, you know, in evangelization, parish evangelization, there's this healthy tension between wanting to bring people in and not scare them off. But at the same time, making sure that they understand is we're you're not just joining our parish, you're becoming a new creation. And that deserves, you deserve the amount of time that it would take to think about that and experience it. This is, I think, the beauty of the catechumenate, right? I think we kind of swap off the catechumenate as this thing that exists between Advent and Lent. But it's absolutely amazing if you spend any time really thinking about it because once you're in it, the church has almost every single responsibility towards you that it would to a fully initiated Catholic, which is awesome. And that means you have what a whole that, What does that mean, Becca? What do you mean by that? 
So for example, this is my favorite. Um, you're buried as a Catholic if you die in the catechumen. Um, it treats you, which is you kind of the church's last kind of vestige of something unique to us, really. What you can't do, of course, is receive communion uh, because obviously you're not Catholic. But And so anything that requires full initiation, like being an extraordinary minister for communion, for example, you can't do. But you can participate in the life of the parish up to that moment, right? So you can be a lector, you can do social justice ministries, you can... Um, I've had catechumens actually help teach in RE in kind of the social justice bent on things because you don't have to, right? You've got to couch that correctly, but you can do it. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that's apprenticeship in the faith. That's that's teaching and forming and doing all of these things. But I think it also, people really want to belong, right? And that's one of the things I think that kind of is the, is the push to initiate so quickly. And if we say, you know, no, in the catechumenate, you're still part of us. Right? We still love you and care for you, and you belong here, um, and you will for as long as you're in this period. Um, that can kind of lessen that that blow of being other, and I think can go a long way to helping uh, help people feel comfortable in getting to know know Jesus and the church better because they exist in a spot where they're still cared for um, and don't feel kind of otherized from that. It also changes how they get married, how catechumens and Catholics get married. If it's different than how a non-baptized person or non-catechumen. That's a question for Kim Lawyer, so I don't quite know the answer. <laughs> but um, I think the other thing, you know, Russell, when Russell's talking, when we think of a story, we had a woman uh, before I came to Austin in our uh, our CIA program, and she was petitioning for an, an annulment, um, not actually for her, for her husband. And it took, for a whole bunch of reasons, years mm. and years. And this woman sat in our CIA for, I think, three of them. And she was angry, right? Because it was a nine-month program. She's like, why can't I do this? Uh, but at the end of all of it, she came back and she said, you know what? I wasn't ready. This was God saying, you needed time to be here. You all, like program people and parish, were here for me. I didn't know at the time that this is where I needed to stay. I was like, that was amazing to me. But that only works because of all the other things going on around it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, retrospection is, <laughs> can be yeah. genius sometimes. And I, I often describe all, all of my sacraments as experiencing the sacrament and then trying to catch up to the grace that I received during that, especially um, um, even my marriage. I, I knew we loved each other, but to really comprehend with the sacrament and everything until... March 19th, 2022, when my husband was ordained as a deacon, I, that was a very dynamic sacrament for us because I understood it. And uh, some, you know, sometimes I was like, man, I'd like to get confirmed again. But <laughs> I was I was in the fourth grade, uh, you know, what, uh, what yeah. I was just worried about getting slapped. That's that's all I was really concerned about or that the bishop would, you know, turn and say. Tell me the corporal acts of mercy. And you get put on the spot. Uh, anyways, um, it's that's why I'm uh, so very interested in the RCIA program. Y'all, we have only about seven minutes left, so I didn't. I wanted to give y'all a chance to um, talk about uh, the workshop coming up, who y'all want to uh, tell our listeners more about that, or any yeah. other... Uh, detail about the rhythm of RCIA, OCIA in the Something life. CIA. Hmm. Uh, something, yes. Something. Once you get used well, to the, it, we'll change it again. 
the workshop we're offering is called Foundation, the uh, RCA Foundations or Foundation to the RCA. It's um, a good RCA program has four basic overlapping structures. If you think of concentric circles into a Venn diagram, um, pastoral, liturgical, catechetical, and canonical. These are all things that uh, uh, that go on in an RCA. And in fact, to be honest, you know, this is where the, uh, the RCIA is one of the hardest programs to run in a parish because it requires four different disciplines. You know, in the building that Becca and I work at, you know, I I, I represent kind of the, the pastoral catechetical. You have Becca representing the liturgical. We have the tribunal uh, representing the canonical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes it takes full-time people to do this sort of thing that parishes have to figure it out kind of on the fly. And so we're here to talk about those four different pieces and how they all work together um, in the life of an RCA program. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's wrong to even call it a program. It's not a program, right? It's a process, but you've got, you've got this parish thing that's happening and we need to make sure that this parish thing has all the things happening at the same time. So uh, I'm really excited about it, and I'm excited that Becca's going to be a part of it because she brings so much to the liturgical side um, and her experience in the RCIA. So it's a valuable opportunity for people. Um, if it's something that you're just interested in, I would say you should come anyways, right? Even if you're not in, um, if you're not in parish ministry, if you leave, you will be. Uh, <laughs> if you come and go, you're, you're going to get into the RCA, but it's great for pastors for deacons, you can tell your husband, Judy. Um, I volunteered. And, oh, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, as a good deacon's wife should. Um, and um, and then for staff and for volunteers, it's oriented towards all those folks. So uh, it's a great opportunity to learn about those four different aspects and um, some of the nuances of how to how to bring them all together. Cool. Give us the date and times and how to sign up and any other way that we can uh, get this out. That would require me to know all those things, Judy. That's quite all right. That's right. It's August 3rd. I'm here at the Pastoral Center. We should start around nine o'clock. It's a a really full day because we're packing in such good stuff. Um, Lunch will be served. The cost is $20. And that gets you a couple of the materials that are really important. And, you you know, for $20, you get to sit and listen to Becca Spalassi talk about liturgy. So who wouldn't I mean, do that? I, I'm at least with five of them, but you get the 15 for us all. So it's good. Okay. And you can sign up um, through the austindices.org going to um, evangelization and catechesis. And we have webinars. We have our signups right there on our on our front page for evangelization and catechesis. Right. So anyone who's hearing this or anyone who's going to get, I imagine it's going to be in the uh, email that we get today as well, since that's how I found out about it last Friday. There um, you go. Good deal. Any uh, last thoughts, Becca? I'd say it's wonderful. Pray, pray for them and, and be involved. It's a, it's a whole parish ministry. So, um, yeah. It is. I, um, one last kind of thought how the... Um, a lot of parishes will do the scrutinies, will involve the scrutinies in the parish life. And I think that there's room for that to be explained a little bit better to uh, whoever happens to be there on a Sunday. Hmm. I have a question. Yes. In y'all's experience with uh, RCIA, what is the most effective way 
to invite someone to start going to RCIA. Yeah, and Caleb is an uh, experienced RCIA. Mm, how what? how long ago? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I've been a Catholic for six years. Yeah, some, five, something like that. Okay, that's awesome. Um, well, for me, you know, RCIA is it, depending on how you approach it, and depending on how your parish approaches it. Sometimes it can be a good jumping off point, and other times it's a decision point to even attend, right? So the first thing I would say is developing a relationship from an evangelization standpoint, the, the quick act, the, the quick list of prayer, care, share um, comes to mind where um, asking the Lord, you know, praying for someone that you think might benefit from that experience and then being in relationship with that person, just caring about them and trying to be open to what it is they desire. The wrong, the wrong way to meet, um, curiosity is with a thousand answers, right? Because it's easy to drown that curiosity. So just being able to, being able to be open with a person. Um, and then I, I really believe that it's, it's a certain amount of discernment uh, that goes into inviting a person to the RCA because you're what, because what you're inviting to them is to become a new creation. Right. right. And so, so I think it, uh, my first, my first answer would be just making sure that you're spiritually tuned right to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when he when he wants to lead you. And then and then second, it's to go with them. Right. If you invite somebody, you better be going. I agree 100 uh, percent. <laughs> so because it you're the instant uh, you're the instant anchor. Right. Um, and it, it makes it a lot easier. Hey, I'm going to I'm heading into this thing to learn more. I know we had talked about this. Would that be something that interests you? Great. Right. Well, I sure and that wanna, regular invitation. Yeah, sure want to thank uh, my guests, Becca Spalacy and Russell Hoyt, for being here. And as always, when choosing between the values of earth and the values of heaven, always round up. Sad.